It's the storming of the Capitol. Trump supporters forcing their way into the halls of Congress. Here in Texas, residents are experiencing some of the worst winter weather of their lives. Republican-controlled legislatures in eight states so far have passed laws that are restricting voter access. The state of Texas has passed what some are calling the most restrictive abortion law in the United States. The Taliban seizing control of more key cities. Than Afghans are thronging to Kabul's airport. Oh my God. Ida is tearing a path of destruction through Louisiana tonight. The Alisal fire exploded overnight, fueled by strong Santa Ana winds. Here, homes have been leveled. More than 40 reported tornadoes pummeling nine states. A new highly contagious variant, the Omicron variant, is now considered a very high global risk. The United States passing 800,000 deaths. Russia has launched a military assault Staying on in Ukraine. Florida, the controversial don't say gay bill is now According to a new state United state Nations report, the, the devastating the impacts of human-caused climate change are happening the invasion now. Are now making the dangerous trek out. A lot has changed since the 2020 election. We've seen an insurrection, a war end, a war start, big legislation changes, climate disasters, and all while dealing with a pandemic. But 2022 is an election year, which means Americans will be voting for new representatives and legislation on a local, state, and federal level. And that's going to impact everyone, including the younger generation. Hi, I'm Lydia Kalitri. And I'm Grace Newton, and welcome to the Youth Vote Midterms Edition. This season, we're going to be doing things a little bit differently, but we're still going to be covering issues on the minds of young voters today. Recent data has shown that young Americans aren't happy with the state of their country right now. According to the most recent Harvard Youth Poll, 52% of young Americans believe that democracy is, quote, in trouble. On top of that, the poll also reports that a majority of young Americans disapprove of the way the president, Democrats, and Republicans in Congress are handling their jobs. So, to get a better understanding of the moment we're at in politics, we talked to Corey Ross. He's a 23-year-old political consultant from Ohio that spent most of his life working in politics. He got his start volunteering on local campaigns when he was 13 and continued working on campaigns through college. He went on to get a political science degree, turning his passion for politics into a career. While he acknowledges that presidential campaigns are pretty important, he thinks the midterms deserve equal attention. Always found myself kind of drifting back towards congressional. Um, I think it's the one I'm most comfortable with in the long run. As much as I like seeing the presidential elections every couple of years, um, there's about nothing I like more than a good old midterm. We asked Corey what he thought were some of the major themes of this year's midterms. When it comes to midterms, I do think the predominant theme is going to be Joe Biden. Um, I think that that's historically how these elections do go. However, what I think will change um, and I think would be important to young voters and to old voters alike is not how the elections shape up, but how the chambers shape up. Let's say the Republicans get a small majority in the Senate, for example. You've got races such as Alabama, where you have Mo Brooks and Katie Britt, kind of complete opposite sides of the Republican Party. It's a very safe Republican seat, but depending who wins that seat, Joe Biden's legislative agenda could change massively just if Katie Britt wins that seat. He also said another big theme was the nation's political divide. I do think that it's more of the 
fight for the soul of each of the parties, the fight for the identity of each of the parties. On the Democratic side, are they going to side with more of the moderate side of the party, um, try to support Biden as much as they can? Do they begin to move left, um, more towards the left side of the party? And on the right, do you have in the post-Trump era, do you see a shift back to that moderate George H.W. Bush style Republican, or do you see back towards the Trump side? Um, that I think is the most unpredictable part. And if you have both parties, especially now, and I think with the Democratic Party specifically searching for an identity, it's going to be very interesting to see how that shapes the legislative agenda. He was kind enough to draw out his own congressional maps with predictions on how he thought things would go. Where the consequences really lie for Joe Biden um, is in the Senate. I actually did my map and it turned out a little differently than I thought. Um, I actually have it going 50-50, which I think would be kind of ironic if it stayed, you know, basically the same as what we have now with the vice president having the tiebreaker. And really, I think it's dependent on a couple states. Corey said that Pennsylvania, Georgia, New Hampshire, Arizona, and his home state of Ohio are among the states that could shift the dynamic of the Senate. Texas, Georgia, and Pennsylvania also have governor elections coming up that could impact legislation on issues such as voting rights, abortion, health care, and more. So to get a better idea of what's at stake this election, we talked to young organizers from four different states about the issues they're concerned about leading up to the midterms and what they're doing to get young people to the polls. First, let's start off with Pennsylvania. We ended up talking to Sahej Kar and Gayatri Venkatesan, two high school students in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Like a lot of high school students, they weren't always politically engaged. Here's what Gayatri had to say. I think pre-2020, I did not pay attention to the news at all. Politics was like completely distant. I was like, if you're, you know, if you're not an adult who can vote, you know, there's nothing you can do. The presidential election was talked about a lot, but a lot of kids don't know like what actually like the government structure behind everything. Sedge also said she was confused about what was going on at that time, worried that when it came time for her to vote, she wouldn't know what to do. So she decided to take matters into her own hands in order to get a better understanding on voting, politics, and educating her peers. Myself and a fellow student started um, an organization based on the national organization When We All Vote, which had been started by Michelle Obama, Um, And we kind of branched off and made our own called When Westchester Votes. And then our organizer at PA Youth Vote reached out to us at the time and asked if we wanted to join other organizations like ourselves, When Bucks Votes, When Philly Votes, those kind of organizations. And we kind of all collaborated and joined PA Youth Vote. We would also like to note that neither Sahej nor Gayatri is old enough to vote this year. But that isn't stopping them from helping those who can vote understand the power that they have. As members of PA Youth Vote, the two work on PA Youth Voices, a podcast that's meant to teach teens about civic engagement in a relatable way. Some of their episodes include topics like municipal elections, climate change, and voter disengagement. But they also have episodes spotlighting queer youth, mental health, and other issues impacting teens today. It's like a really big tool for getting information out there and just like listening to conversations. We've done some like really interesting topics like teenage life, or we've also interviewed like a lot of political figures um, in our community. For example, a few months ago, I think we interviewed a 18 year old candidate who was running for township supervisor in Pennsylvania. That was really interesting. And hearing those stories and getting those stories out there 
and just like helping the community be more civically engaged is a really big deal for us. When we asked them about the issues on the minds of young Pennsylvanians, Sahaj said that voter legislation is a big one. States like Georgia and Texas, which we'll go a little bit into later, have already put controversial voting laws in place, and many Republican candidates in the governor's race have vowed to do the same for Pennsylvania. She's worried that these new laws will create more harm than good when it comes to turning out voters. There are tons of legislation things going around all over the country that are trying to get more laws passed to have, um, it's almost like they're trying to get people to stop voting and because it's because they want to get their own agendas through that are not um, compliant with those people's views. And they don't want those people's views because they think that it's different from what they want. And that's not how they want everything to go. And that's why they're trying to get them to stop voting. Climate change and COVID are also on their minds, particularly when it comes to mask mandates. In Pennsylvania, it's up to school districts to decide whether masks are required. Westchester Area School District, where the girls go to school, made masks optional starting on February 28th. Mask mandates is such a polarizing issue. You know, it's something that's supposed to be, you know, scientific and it's supposed to deal with like health and such, but it's become so politicized. And even like within um, younger people, like there's so much division and people have like such different opinions about how they want to approach life, like as we sort of phase in and out of peaks in the pandemic. So yeah, that's definitely something that is a big deal. Sahaj and Gayatri know that in order to tackle issues related to voter legislation, climate change, COVID restrictions, and more, they must first get kids their age interested and aware. And Gayatri says that spark and interest starts with civic education. Just getting um, kids taught civics in school so that, you know, when you go out into the real world, you're coped with the skills that you need to be engaged politically. But the problem is like a lot of schools don't teach civics at all. I think Pennsylvania is like of the 50 states, it's doing rather poorly in terms of the knowledge that students have in terms of how their government works. And it really brings a lot of conflict into political and social matters. We looked into this and according to data from Education Week, Pennsylvania is one of 15 states that doesn't require a civics course or a civics exam for high school students to graduate. That's slowly changing though. In 2018, Governor Tom Wolf signed Act 35, which requires school districts to test students about US history, government, and citizenship at some point between grades seven to 12. The law went into effect during the 2020-2021 school year, but there's no requirement to pass it. I think recently, STEM education has really taken a forefront. And I'm not saying that's bad, but civics has really been pushed backwards. It's really minimally addressed in schools, um, and that sort of just leads to the insufficient political participation of young people. You know, our school isn't, is, is okay. Like, we do have options, but there's no requirements and that's definitely the root of the problem in a lot of schools. And PA Youth Vote is really working to change that by pushing civics programs into high schools in our state. But how do you teach kids to vote? To get a better idea, we spoke with 23-year-old Matina Bliss, the project director for Kids Voting Ohio, an organization that provides free civic engagement programs for students K-12, through including mock elections, voting curriculum, and voter registration drives. Here's Matina on the importance of civic education. We're not talking about local government and schools. Like, I, I really doubt that most students would have any idea what their city council does or what a county commissioner is. And so bringing those 
those things back into our curriculum and just making sure that students are learning about this, like in high school and middle school and college. Um, I think everything kind of stems back to education. If we're not educating our youth about the importance of participating, not just in voting, but like other civic actions, like we can't expect them to be turning out to the polls and we can't rely on their votes because we're not providing them with the resources and we're not listening to them. We also asked Matina about some of the issues that kids and young adults in Ohio said they were concerned about. She said COVID and cost of college were up there, but Ohio is also suffering from a lack of infrastructure. Transit is a really big thing in Ohio. We don't have great public transportation in Columbus, I will say. Um, We also don't have trains in Columbus. Like, that's a, that's a big topic right now with the infrastructure bill is Amtrak proposals. I was going to say, I was going to say like the infrastructure bill. Yes. So like Amtrak really wants to build a station here in Columbus and they have these proposals to connect Cincinnati, Dayton, Cleveland, and Columbus, and then also do a speed track through, I think it's Chicago, Columbus, and Pittsburgh. And so that's something that we're definitely going to be advocating for She also pointed out the ways that public transportation can improve the city's environmental impact. I mean, eliminating just how many cars that are on the road is a big deal, especially as we grow as cities. Like things just, Columbus has been growing and growing and growing. It's one of the fastest, I think it's the fastest growing city in Ohio. And the more and more cars that we put on the roads, like the more and more congested it is. And so investing in green public transportation is something that's really important to us and really important to just young people and commuters and everyone in the state, I think. Another big issue she mentioned was gun violence, particularly when it comes to schools. We looked at the Center for Homeland Defense and Security's database for K-12 school shootings, which is data on school shootings dating from 1970 to 2022. According to this data, out of all 50 states, Ohio has had the seventh most school shootings. Despite this, on March 2nd of this year, the Ohio State Senate passed SB 215, a bill that would allow people to carry a concealed gun without a permit or training. I guess it's been a big topic for a long time in the United States, but they've been increasing with COVID and students going back to schools. Fights have been increased like severely in schools. I've heard this from school districts in Colorado to like school districts all around central Ohio. My mom teaches in Georgia. They're having issues there. And so that's just like a huge problem. I think people are really, really worried about just being safe within their school buildings where they spend so much of their time. Matina believes that a great way to get kids and young adults to turn out at the polls is engaging with them on issues like gun violence, COVID, infrastructure, etc., that they're passionate about and giving them a space to be heard. She calls it being issue focused. Overnight and in one election period, we're not going to be able to turn out as many, as much of a percentage of voters as we'd like to in that 18 to 29 age group. But if we start being issue focused, if we're talking about like the issues at hand, like what are they passionate about? What are they interested in? And bringing them into those conversations with people running for office through like town halls, direct outreach, focus groups, and like hiring more young people to work on a campaign, not just in like canvassing and phone banking, but like being part of the communications team and bringing in their opinions and their passions. I think that that is really instrumental in increasing that voter turnout rate and voter participation rate among young people. There are a lot of different tactics that these youth-focused organizations use to get 18 to 29-year-olds out to the polls. Ben Kramer, the New Hampshire Youth Movement's Wellness and Culture Director, told us a bit more about their deep canvassing technique. 
They started doing it last year, and it involves going door-to-door like regular canvassing, but it encourages volunteers to have longer conversations with people in their community rather than a five-minute interaction at their doorstep. You know, is a tactic of talking to people in your community and having like a real conversation as humans, opening up space to like be vulnerable about some of the the most important issues that we're we're working on. And, you know, getting getting real about, you know, how do these things actually show up in our lives as people and being able to make an emotional connection with a voter and hear their stories about whatever the issue is and share your own stories. Ben, who's 25, told us that New Hampshire is an interesting state in particular because the state typically goes blue on national maps, but is red on a state level. For example, Maggie Hassan, a Democrat who's running to keep her seat in the Senate this year, voted against a Senate bill two years ago to ban abortions after 20 weeks. But a ban on abortions after 24 weeks went into effect for the state on January 1st of this year. And with that in mind, it's easy to see how young voters in New Hampshire and other parts of the country might feel like voting won't make much of a difference on issues that they care about, like reproductive rights and climate change. Ben told us how he deals with this kind of skepticism as an organizer. The easiest situation to help somebody overcome their their fear or their skepticism or whatever apprehension they have to voting is if you can say, I know exactly what you mean. I am also scared or hurt by by politicians that haven't had my best interests in mind in the past. Like I feel you. You're not wrong. And I know a guy whose name is on the ballot that I completely trust to not be that person. And here are the reasons why. So I, I think that is the ideal scenario. <laughs> I think when when we're not in that scenario, the the message is really like, yeah, like I I too share those fears and like that's valid. You know, I have also <laughs> grown up in in this uh, this world of of being hurt by politicians and election day is only part of the strategy to win the chant we need. Ben said he's been helping young voters get to the polls on college campuses for four major election days now. He even got his start in civic engagement during his own college days at the University of New Hampshire. He said a big catalyst for him was the 2016 primary. New Hampshire's primary is the first nationwide and one of the most important primaries to win for presidential candidates. I was a sophomore in college in 2016, and having just recently moved to New Hampshire, seeing all of these primary candidates come through really, really like kind of blew my mind. And all of this energy kind of swelled up as the election got closer and all these national organizations came in and they were training up young people. They were, you know, plugging people that cared about the election into some sort of organized structure to turn out other young people. But once the primary was over, he realized that there was still more work to do, even as national organizations were packing their bags. I think that like made it really clear for me and for so many other young organizers in New Hampshire of we really need people in New Hampshire specifically and in so many other states in the country to be working in communities, especially working with young people year round, building durable structures, building long-term youth power, because there's there's so many people in our community that are here to here to win, here to work hard, um, and and eager to get plugged into something. And um, so I think that like 
appreciation of the opportunity that we had in New Hampshire really got me fired up. It's that fired up energy that organizers like 26-year-old Taylor Trevino, who serves as the deputy field organizer for Jolt Action in Texas, believes is crucial for getting young people to the polls. What makes Jolt such a unique organization is its focus on mobilizing young Latinos while creating a space where they can celebrate their culture. I love getting to just talk to people on the ground, um, having those conversations with people who may not know much about voting or elections or just don't really care about politics. It's been really cool to immerse myself sort of in the Latino community um, on the one side, but also sort of evolving that into conversations of how to um, be more active in the political environment here in Texas. Texas is a state to watch this year, not just because voters will be electing a new governor, attorney general, and state representatives, but also because new voter laws are in effect. This past year, the state passed SB1, a law that prohibits 24-hour voting, drive-through voting, and tightened rules for voting by mail. And we're already starting to see the impact of this legislation. The Associated Press found that nearly 23,000 mail-in ballots were rejected outright in the March 1st primary. On top of that, Texas is one out of 11 states that doesn't have online voter registration. Taylor said she could really see this legislation hurting turnout in November. For a lot of people or families who you know don't have a ton of time or have weird work schedules. It was really great. And, you know, why not let people do those things? Why not make this easier for them? But the state saw how successful that was and banned those things. And we've already seen, um, you know, some of those ballots get rejected and the applications to vote by mail being rejected. And it's too late to do anything about it. So, yeah, just to tie it back, you know, this is why we work so hard to do what we do. And want to bring these resources to everyone where they are. One of Taylor's goals for the organization this year is to register as many young voters as possible and help them get more involved in their local communities. Jolt has clubs on both high school and college campuses with programs and resources to mobilize students before they go into the workforce. Another goal is organizing around local issues that would impact the Latino community where she lives in Fort Worth. As Jolt, we definitely do try to organize around um, our local candidates and get people on board from a grassroots level because those are the changes that they are going to see more immediately in their community. For example, in uh, the Fort Worth area, redistricting is one, even just the the local maps. Um, For example, there is a possibility of um, adding a Hispanic opportunity um, district in our city and it's, we're literally in the middle of that right now and whether that map is going to get passed or not. So that's just one example of, you know, a local issue that if we do get that, that district, then our voice, our community will be so much more represented overall. Taylor says she sees so much opportunity for young people to bring change, even if they might feel that the government doesn't have their best interests in mind. I am definitely a glass half full kind of person. I see so much potential for us to, to just change our, our government and just make it represent us. The more people that we um, bring on board, the more times that we see um, candidates winning who support our issues, the more it feels like it's really, um, you know, something within reach for us. It's not just a far off possibility. So yeah, I do see a lot of potential for, for us to make some positive change here in the upcoming elections. Moving from Fort Worth to Houston, we also got to speak with Greg Norwood, the Southern Engagement Manager of Young Invincibles, about some of the issues he's focused on where he's based. Young Invincibles focuses on creating policy change on four key issues that young adults care about. Higher education, 
workforce and finances, civic engagement, and healthcare. Greg, who's 24, told me about some of the work he's done to get young people healthcare. In reality, this year has been one of the best years we've had um, in terms of uh, getting young folks uh, signed up for healthcare. Um, I believe it's this year that you know nearly two million Texans. I'm going to sign up for coverage. I think the number is like 1.8 million, right? Uh, so we're really going to continue what we've been doing, right? We're going to be, uh, continue to really hone into our consumer education. So we're, uh, we're going to ensure uh, that people are um, aware of that health care and particularly the Affordable Care Act is available to them, um, often at lower premiums that we are kind of boots on the ground um, to ensure that we bring this opportunity to to young adults. One of the ways the organization has been able to do this is through their Young Advocates Program, which are paid opportunities for young adults 18 to 34 to get experience working in public policy on issues they're passionate about, like healthcare. They do what we call a health insurance literacy symposium, essentially, where we educate young adults across the state of Texas on this particular issue. And we have found that it's been working. Um, and so we just continue to do what we've been doing um, as we have really uh, seen uh, a great year here for health insurance uh, and health care here in Texas. But Greg's passion for affordable and accessible health care doesn't stop at his work with Young Invincibles. It was actually the adversity Greg saw working in the field that spurred his interest in policy. Growing up, I wanted to be an obstetrician gynecologist. That was uh, what I wanted to do. But I realized as I kind of looked on the other side, you know, outside of the science and the math and all those different things, I realized that, for example, Black women uh, deaths in, in hospitals after, they, after they've given birth is extremely high, disproportionately high, right? I realized that oftentimes um, individuals uh, who are poor, who um, are not white, often are not given the appropriate access to uh, health care uh, that they deserve. And I realized that my desire to be a doctor only went so far in terms of helping people that it really had to be some policy changes. Um, and I realized in college, really, that I could do a lot more in the halls of you know, Congress or the state houses, whatever the case may be, than I could in the halls of a hospital. Now, through Young Invincibles, Greg hopes to inspire other young Texans to create policy change they want to see, despite hurdles in the political system. I think there are a number of challenges. One, there are systems and structures um, in place that make it difficult for young adults to even uh, have access to, you know, the opportunity to be civically engaged, right? We know bills like Senate uh, SB1 and and HB3 here in Texas are intentionally designed um, to keep certain people out of the ballot box, out of the conversation, right? But there is also, I think, this apathy. You know, we've been a country... Uh, for hundreds of years, right, and some of the same uh, issues that we face as a, a baby country, if you will, 200 years ago, we're still facing now. And so there is this thought of why vote? Uh, is it making a difference? And so, uh, you know, one of the things that we really uh, try to encourage um, here in Texas in terms of our consumer education work is really try to educate individuals that elections do matter, and that when we all use um, our collective voices, our collective power, uh, we can really change some of the stuff that we've had issues with. Which would also mean that these midterm elections matter. In fact, Corey sees these midterms impacting more legislation and policy than a presidential election. When it comes to midterms and elections in general, but midterms specifically, you have 
as the youth voter or any voter for that matter, the opportunity to really shape what the policy is going to be from the local level all the way up. You know, with presidential elections, you know, they're always, when they come around, they're a massive deal. Certainly the president has a lot of power, but when it comes to real policy and policy that's going to affect your everyday, state legislative races, House, Senate, um, and your local elections um, in particular have a massive impact on what you're going to see. I do think we're at a bit of a tipping point as a society. And knowing America, I think we're going to you know, move in a positive direction. And I do think that if you're a youth voter or you know, 18 to 29 or 1835, whatever you want to call it, this is your time to really shape what we're looking at. They always say that this election is the most important election ever. That's something that comes out every single election. I can genuinely make a case that this one is. Huge thank you to all of our guests on this episode. We've included links to their orgs and the PA Youth Voices podcast in the description, along with our Twitter handle so that you can follow along when we drop new episodes. We'll be covering more specific issues up until and after the midterms, and we'll be talking to young candidates, activists, and potential voters along the way. Thanks for listening to The Youth Vote. I'm Lydia Kalitri. I'm Grace Newton, and stay tuned for more episodes.